I learned a long time ago, what you say and repeat, that's what people hear. Isn't that right, Bill? And there's certain things it's just good to, to be a stickler. And I know I've told uh, Sydney. I don't know if I told Jay, I hope I did. But the one thing, if I don't hear you saying one way we love God is by loving one another, I'm going to kick you in the rear end. I think that's the one thing. <laughs> now, Pastor Bob still can't say it right yet. He always makes it different every time. He's creative. But one way we love God is by loving one another. I started saying that, I don't know how many years ago. And it's just scripture. That's all it is, is scripture. But you know what happens? You get an environment where people start loving each other because that's one way they love God. The love of God shows up. Amen? Hallelujah. Boy, that's really off my subject. Glory to God. Well, sure you can. You're gonna, you wanna, I'm not a mailbox. You're going to post something? So you may, you may need to. I'm talking about the love of God. And uh, for those of you that weren't here earlier in the day, I just highly encourage you to go online, listen to the different teachings that were given yeah. because they're powerful. Yeah. And uh, they'll change you and, and help you. That's what they'll do is they'll help you. And in one of those sermons, you're going to hear a story that Pastor shared today. And so about two months ago, uh, for those of you that were here in a moment, you, it'll make a little bit more sense to you. But about two months ago, someone came to me and said, you know, the Lord put this on my heart to do this for pastor. And so, uh, and, and the person just said, when he comes, could you give this to him? I don't want him to know who it comes from. All right. So uh, a small present for you that you should open. to listen to the sermon I'm sorry <laughs> I'm having a moment here <sighs> and I'm not allowed to know who did it I'll have to pray <sighs> mm. thank you Jesus oh thank you Jesus Glory, 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 glory. Well, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. <sighs> That's the painting that I gave away many years ago to Gene Olin. And... Uh, Well, tied up with a lot of personal history. Thank you, Pastor. Wow. Uh, God is so good. Well, we're talking about the call of God and fulfilling the call of God in your life. And that has always been a burning passion in my heart. Probably because 
when I was young in ministry, from the time I started really, there were very few who believed in me and helped me along the way. In fact, I don't think there was really a minister that took an interest in developing me personally until uh, I was pastoring our second church in Meadville, Pennsylvania, and a minister came in by the name of Jim Spillman. Remember him? And a real tall fella, about six foot eight. I don't even know how he got in a seat in a plane, you know. (laughs) He had tremendous testimony in his life. He was a Baptist pastor. He had a master's degree in Greek and Hebrew. And his janitor, I believe it was his janitor, got demon-possessed. And they brought him into the pastor's office, and the janitor, who didn't even have a high school education, started talking in perfect Hebrew to his pastor. And Spillman didn't know what to do with that. He didn't believe in demon possession. But here was an obvious, very well-educated Hebrew-speaking entity that was inside this ignorant janitor. He didn't know what to do with that. So the next week he went to a meeting of a crazy woman by the name of Catherine Kuhlman and hid in the balcony wearing glasses, sunglasses, because he was well known in the community. And in the middle of her sermon, she stopped and pointed him out and said, there's a, there's a Baptist pastor sitting up there wearing sunglasses because you don't want anybody to know you're here. <laughs> you come down here and God will answer all your questions. So that's how he got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Well, he took, an, he took a real interest, and in, I think until the year he passed away, I went to be with Jesus. I'd get cards from him, handwritten cards. And uh, you know what that is? Just the love of God, the care and the love of God. So you see some other young man or, or woman struggling with the call of God on their life. Well, you just... You have some compassion because you, you went without it and you know how they feel. And you want to you reach out and you want to equip them and build them. And, and that's, and then as you read the scripture, that's really the idea of ministry in total. Here in Ephesians 4, verse 7, we'll start with, it says to every one of us. So that's everyone in this, within, in this room, everyone within the sound of my voice. To every one of us, say, that's me too. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto man. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. What he's talking about there is he went down into uh, 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 the earth and preached to the, the saints that were in prison, Abraham's bosom, and he brought them up out with him, ascended to heaven in a victory march, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And see, and when he went up into heaven, what was typified in Elijah's ministry, when he went up by a whirlwind, he, he, he told his disciple, Elisha, he said, if you see me when I ascend, he said, you'll get a double portion of my spirit. And, and what happened is that when he ascended, his mantle fell to the ground. 
And all of that was done, as we know, the ascension. It was a type of the ascension of Christ. And when Jesus went up, he dropped his mantle. He gave gifts unto men. And the, those gifts, unlike with Elisha, where it was one mantle to one man, thank God the gift of Christ has been distributed throughout his body. And that's why unity is so important. Because the more unity we bring to the body, the more we see of Jesus. Because I need that bit of Jesus that's in you that's not in me. See, when Jesus walked into a room, he, he had a fullness. The Bible says he had the spirit without measure. He had a fullness that we haven't seen. Maybe from time to time we've touched it in unity. But he had a fullness because the Bible says Jesus is the great apostle. Jesus himself declared he was a prophet. Jesus was the great evangelist. Jesus is the great shepherd. He's the pastor. Nicodemus said Jesus is the teacher. See, all of those gifts and ministry gifts that we, we commonly think of throughout history, those were all first and preeminently residing in Jesus. They still do, right? He's at the right hand of God. So imagine that. Just go through your mind like, like a ticker tape or like a video and gather up all the hero preachers you can think of and all their different anointings because they're all different. Uh, we were talking earlier about Norville Hayes. There's no, there was nobody like Norville Hayes, thank God. The world couldn't handle two of that fella. And, and every minute, you, you, you can think, you know, an Oral Roberts was amazing, but he's quite different than a Billy Graham. And, and they're all different than, than Catherine Kuhlman. Or on and on, you know, Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, and Jerry Savelle, and John Osteen, and I don't name some. Charles Capps, who else? Jesse Duplantis. I mean, you can name some that are current today. I don't even know their names. Bill Shear was the name. I'd never heard of him. Hmm? Bob Hawk. Yeah, that fellow, I've heard about him. Dale Armstrong. All right. Yeah. Be, there's people today. Amen. And now here's what you got to do. You got to take all those anointings and they're all different, right? Take them all and put them in Jesus. Wow. So when he walked in a room, whew, can you, I mean, come on. He's got, that's why he had the voice of the sound of many waters. All that fullness of the spirit without measure in one man, in one place. Glory to God. But now when he went up to heaven, he distributed that. And I could spend all night going verse by verse to talk about the distributions of the Holy Ghost as he wills. It's in 1 Corinthians 12. It's in Hebrews chapter 2. He distributed all those anointings among the body because now we, we see the wisdom of God. I need you and you need me. And even if you don't like Norval Hayes, you still need him. I learned a tremendous lesson in this from, from Kenneth Copeland. He'd been teaching on the blood covenant. And he, he already had tapes out on the blood covenant. But he kept going back to God. He said, I know there's something I'm missing. There's, there's an aspect of the blood covenant I don't understand. And he fasted for it. He prayed for it. He's studying for it. And he went to God. And he says, how come I, there's like an empty piece in the puzzle on the blood covenant. How come I, I, don't, I don't get this? 
Well, at that time, Brother Copeland being a part of the Word of Faith movement, there was another movement going on. It was a, called the Discipleship Movement. And there were some, some leaders in that movement that, uh, well, they, they, they didn't say nice things about each other. You ever, you know, strife, strife's a killer. And uh, Brother Copeland's crying out to God, how come I don't, there's something I'm missing in blood covenant. And the Lord spoke to him and said, why should I show you this revelation of blood covenant when I've already given it to uh, Malcolm Smith? Who's in a different camp? I mean, you're talking oil and water. And Brother Copeland was like, you're not going to give it to me because you already gave it to Malcolm Smith. And I used to, my mother used to subscribe to Malcolm Smith's ministry. He was, I think he was based out of Pittsburgh. He's a good teacher. And he had a, he had a newsletter. When I heard Brother Copeland telling this testimony, which was on television at the time, my mom already had Malcolm Smith's newsletter. And you know what was in Malcolm Smith's newsletter was a picture of a conference where Malcolm Smith was teaching on the blood covenant. And I picked that up and looked and saw who was on the front row. It was Kenneth Copeland. That, that lesson right there was worth a hundred sermons for me. See, he, he, he's, he understood that the body of Christ, we got a lot of differences. Sometimes you ought to celebrate them. Aren't you glad you're not exactly like your wife? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You better answer that quicker. Or we're going to have some other lessons. Yeah. I mean, the variety of gifts, the variety of ministry, something that we should treasure. And what's peculiar about one, that's what you need. God dealt with me early on about this. Because, well, not early on. Maybe I should have learned it earlier. But I'd been pastoring in Titus for for a while. And I was having guest speakers come in to preach. And you're spending money on advertising. And you're doing a lot that you can do because you want to bring the church together. You want to edify the church. And the guy would come and preach a sermon I'd already preached. And it's not like I'm in competition with the fellow. But I'm sitting in my study saying... You know, he came and preached Mark eleven twenty three and 24, and I don't do too bad preaching that. So how come I'm doing a whole special meeting bringing somebody to come in and preach my sermons that I stole from Brother Hagin? <laughs> right? I mean, that's just the way it was. And finally, God began to deal with me and with the gifts that are different and the variety of ministry gifts that you need to tap into those that can offer something you don't have. And he reminded me of a guy named Ed Havich. Now, when I was just a t- teenager in the Methodist church, I'd gotten filled with the Holy Ghost, and I was just devouring the Word and, and, and learning it every day, you know, hand over fist. Somehow, it had to be the grace of God, a miracle from heaven. Our Methodist uh, organization brought Ed Havich into the youth group to teach on evangelism. Because he was, he, he, well, he still is. I believe he's still alive in Ohio. He, he's one of these radicals that would go to the Jehovah Witness conferences and go into their cafeteria where they're all eating and stand up on a table and start preaching Jesus. He goes on to the university campuses and stands, you know, on sidewalks and preaches Jesus and gets people saved left and right. And why? Because he is an evangelist. And, and here he comes into our church, and I was just a real young fella. He's the first guy I ever saw that had a wide-margin Bible. 
I saw that and I, and I, and I, I said, you either tell me where I can get it or I'm stealing yours. <laughs> that is the coolest thing. And so I got a wide margin Bible and I've been using them ever since. And, and uh, then years later, when I was pastoring uh, as an assistant for Scott Carlson in Titusville, a church called Grace Fellowship, uh, Scott and I were talking about, you know, that we really need evangelism. And I said, I know the guy. So we brought Ed Havich into Grace Fellowship. I don't know if you remember Ed. And, and Ed was teaching in the church on evangelism. And this is something I saw then. But it didn't really come to a full fruition until years later. But what I saw was the gift of evangelists, the ministry of an evangelist, is not the first priority is not to win the lost. It's to teach the saints how to win the lost. See, as you read on in Ephesians 4, and we'll get to it, but all these ministry gifts are to equip the saints. So the evangelist isn't to stand on the platform and give an altar call. The evangelist is to be in the church to equip the saints. And, and I know later in life, some years later, I tried to do a series in our church on evangelism, and, and I could teach on evangelism, and a teacher can teach on evangelism. The only problem is people don't go out and evangelize. They learn how, but they don't do it because they just now they have that in their box. They've ticked their check marks and they know what it is and they can answer all the questions and they can pass the test, but nobody gets saved. So then, you know, that was another issue. I realized what I'd done that was stupid. So then I invited an evangelist to come in, some, some young guy from Ramah, but he was, he's, he was an evangelist, still is. And he took a car ride from Tulsa all the way here. And when he arrived, took him to lunch. And he's telling us how many people got saved on the car ride. You know, he'd stop at some truck stop. And he'd meet somebody at the counter and lead them to Jesus. And then there was two girls in a convertible that came by flirting. So he, he, he flirted back and had them pull off the side of the road. Led them both to Jesus. And, and then, then sitting there in Perkins, he's leading our waitress to the Lord. And I'm like, I don't know how he does it. I don't, you know, but it's in him. Right? So then he'd stand up and teach half of what I taught. He didn't even teach it as good as I taught it. And the whole church goes nuts, on fire, wanting to go out and get people saved. And I saw it. That's the ministry gift of an evangelist. And it's something I ain't got. And you've got to be bold enough and honest enough to say, I ain't got that. But the real slice on the cake was when the Lord tricked me. My wife and I went to, to uh, must have been a Rama alumni meeting, and because she's a, a, a graduate of Rama, we got, we got special treatment. We got to sit on the platform behind Brother Hagen. And, uh, you know, that's just, it was nice, you know, because I married her for the fact that she had actually two diplomas from Rama. That's a long story, but now I got one. <laughs> So we're sitting up on a platform, Brother Hagin's preaching, and there's a guy sitting to my left. And, and, and we didn't even get to say hi to him, because the way they rushed you up there and everything. I don't know who he is. I know he must be a Rama grad or married to one. But as far as I know, he could be a car salesman. Doesn't, I don't know if he's a pastor. I mean, I know he went to Rama. I got that much. But while, while Brother Hagin's teaching, the Lord must have heard Brother Hagin's sermon before because he starts talking to me. And he starts talking to me about this guy sitting to my left. And the Lord said, here's a man who's 
speaking with my voice and no one is listening. I thought, whoa, he must be hot stuff. Here's a man speaking with my voice and no one is listening. So I'm thinking, I'm not that slow. I'm going to have him come to my church. I'm going to invite him to come preach, you know. And I'm hoping that I'm not small enough for him to say no. Because who am I? Nobody, you know. So as soon as the meeting was over, somebody grabbed him and he split. He's gone. I didn't get to say hello. I don't even know who he is. And I'm like, well, that's weird, Lord. I don't even get a chance to invite him. And then later in the week, I'm in the bookstore buying books, salivating over the ones I can't, and getting all this material. And sure enough, here he is standing at the bookshelf with me, looking at the same books. And I said, hey, we sat together. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, while we were sitting together, the Lord told me something about you. He said, here's somebody speaking my voice and no one's listening. I just want you to know I'm listening. Love to have you come to my church and preach. Boy, he lit up. He said, well, pastor, well, that's just amazing. Amazing, pastor. That's amazing. <laughs> Did the Lord really say that? That way? Yeah, yeah, that's how he said. Oh, I'd be honored to come to your church. Here, and so we changed cards and whatnot. He said, I'll send you a cassette tape of my teaching. Oh, my Lord, I wish he hadn't. <laughs> Whew, it was bad. Oh, my goodness, it was horrible. It was, I listened to the whole thing, and it hurt every minute. I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? I, I, I invited this guy into my church. Oh, Lord, what did I do? But, Lord, I know what you said to me. It don't make sense. Because, come on, Lord, you listen to the tape. You know why nobody's listening. <laughs> so, so he's scheduled to come in and we live in northwestern Pennsylvania where snow means if it's snowing it's really snowing alright around here you see a snowflake and everything stops you know? no no we're talking like six feet drifts it's a snowstorm it's a cold you gotta break the ice around a candle before you blow it out I mean it was a snowstorm and and he's scheduled to come and and you know i talked to him on the phone he said he said pastor I, you know we made a commitment i'm gonna be there i said all right I'm, you know there might be me and you you know he pulls into the hotel and the heat had gone out in the hotel i take him to this restaurant well perkins is the only place in town and i take him there and it's just me and him i wouldn't i wouldn't put my wife through that and uh and I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, for the snowstorm, because I heard him on tape. You know, this is, I think it's probably the mercy of God. <laughs> I might be exaggerating just a little, not much. And so he's sitting across on the, you know, in the booth. He's sitting across from me, and we're talking a little bit. And he seems to be sort of normal, and we're talking and, and uh, telling me about his trip up. And, and all of a sudden, he goes... Big googly eyes. And he's looking at me. Brother Armstrong, I'm having a vision. Right now. I said, okay. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, I see the word Tom floating 
over your shoulder. Right above your shoulder, floating, I see the word Tom. That's him, isn't it? Yeah. Brother Armstrong, Tom. Does it mean anything to you, Dale? Brother Armstrong, does it mean anything? What does it mean, Brother Dale? Tom. Do you have a Tom in your church? And I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, we had two. So I just said, yeah, we got Tom in our church. What's it mean, Brother Dale? I don't know. It's your vision. I don't know what it means. And then he's, Brother Dale, there's, it's another vision. Over your other shoulder, I see, I see an apron. It's an apron hanging over your shoulder, Brother Dale, floating right there. I could almost touch it, Brother Dale. What's it mean, Brother Dale? I'm thinking, yeah, I know what it means. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to get out of here is what it means. This guy's weird. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm sorry. So, so finally, you know, I get out of there somehow. That's Saturday. So Sunday morning, that snow hits, and there's a small group of people. And he gets up and he preaches on the presence of God. Never forget it. <laughs> and I look around, and there's no Tom. We had two of them. Both of them were snowed in. And I'm thinking, oh, that's weird. When's he going to bring this vision up? <laughs> and he goes through all the scriptures. I think he had a Strong's Concordance. And he went through every scripture in the entire Bible, almost without comment, on the presence of God. And there's a lot of them. And, and it, in all honesty, as he got to the end, it all made sense, and it was good. And I thought, wow, we made it. Nothing weird happened. And so, you know, I don't know, we took him to lunch, I suppose, or whatever. And then we went come back for the evening meeting. Yes, that's true. Even with snowstorms, we still have church. Yeah, we never canceled church. I don't think we ever canceled church. Might have been empty because nobody could get there. But. So Sunday night, we come. And about, you know, and the service was going right on from the morning on the presence of God. And it was an excellent sermon. It really was. Because what he talked about is if God's presence is everywhere, how did Adam hide from the presence of God? And what he taught, which was theological, was there's a difference between God's essential presence and his felt presence. And the Bible makes the distinction. And there is the fact that God's everywhere, but there are times when you feel or God is tangible. And it was a great sermon, and it's very biblical because he used every verse in the Bible. <laughs> but about a quarter of the way through this sermon, one of the Toms came in. Not both of them, one of them. Tom Pierce. And he sits down, and, 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 and I saw this guy stutter a little bit and falter, and he tried to keep preaching, but, but he, he, couldn't, he couldn't get back into the groove of preaching. This guy that came in bugged him, and he finally he stopped, and he said, Are you Tom? And I was like, Whoa, 
And Tom says, uh-huh. He says, come up here. And he comes up and he says, I had a vision yesterday. Saw your name floating over your pastor's shoulder. What do you need? You must have a problem. Do you need healing? Tom's like, no. <laughs> Tom, Tom is so black and white, and unless you really ask him, you're not going to get any additional. And, and finally he says, well, there must be something. And he says, well, uh, the reason I wasn't here this morning is my wife uh, slipped on the front porch on the ice and broke her ankle. They're both uh, nuclear physicists, med- medicine, and they're both doctors, and they know when something's broke. And uh, said, said uh, we're going to take her in tomorrow. Uh, we've realized it's broken, but spent all day taking care of her, and I left her at home with it up on a pillow. And it's real swollen, and, and she's in quite a bit of pain. But I decided to come here. And, and so the, the, the prophet, he says, well, let's pray for your wife. Your name's Tom. I saw your name. Your wife needs healing. Let's pray for your wife. So he starts to pray. And I, I'm sitting just maybe one seat behind. He's praying. And he says, in the middle of the prayer, he stops. He says, anybody have a handkerchief? Because we could do a prayer cloth. And, let's, and, and, they, and so I had one, and I gave it to him. And he grabs it, and he starts quoting the book of Acts. How they took handkerchiefs and aprons. He starts quoting. And when he hit the word apron, he went nuts. Wow! Brother Dale! That's what it means, Brother Dale! I mean, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like shouting with him. Because there was an apron hanging over my shoulder. Glory! And he prays for that handkerchief. Tom took it home. I mean, Tom called the next day when she woke up. He took it home, didn't want to wake her up, so he just laid that handkerchief over her ankle that was broken. Two doctors saying it was broken. It was broke. She woke up in the morning. It not only wasn't swollen, it not only was no pain, it weren't broke. Amen. And I'm thinking I almost brushed that fella off as crazy. Well, maybe he is crazy. But so am I. (laughs) Why is that? Because the gifts are different. And sometimes if you don't respect that difference, you'll lose the blessing. Because what you need, somebody else has it. I I, I know in that same church, in that same congregation, that same building, in fact, uh, we had a young fellow that got saved. John was his name. And he got on so on fire and... Eventually, he was able to get his mom and dad to come to church. And his mom was, was a believer, and she was on fire. But his dad, oh, he never wanted to be there. And he let you know it. Because that's all he would do. I mean, during worship, during the sermon, I, man, she must have wore the pants in that family. Because got, she got him in there, but he did not want to be in there. It wasn't even fun to look at him because he didn't want to be in there. And we all tried to minister to him. We all tried to share Jesus with him. We all loved on him. We did everything we could to get that man born again. And he didn't want to get born again. I mean, he was a, he was a stubborn, obstinate rock. And then I, I, somebody, I don't even remember how it happened. I didn't really want to invite him. 
he kept calling and calling and asking to come preach. And he kept a record of how many times he called me and how many times I said no. I mean, he even showed it to me. I, you know, no, no, no. And he's got this little Rolodex card. And finally, I don't know, he wore me down like the unjust judge. And I had him in to preach. His name's Ron Bruce. We've had him here. And Ron came in to preach. And I don't know why I never said yes. But, you know, I, I just didn't feel that it was the Lord. But here comes Ron. And he's preaching a message, and I'm sitting on the front row. And Mr. Folded Arms is sitting over here somewhere. And uh, Ron's preaching a good sermon. Nothing wrong with the sermon Ron is preaching. He's, he's, he's got some deep revelations. I admire his, his ministry. But all of a sudden, in the middle of his sermon, he stopped. He looked around. He said, hey, the Lord said, let's do a tongues check. And I'm sitting on the front. What's a tongues check? <laughs> Let's just make sure everybody in here speaks in tongues. And I'm over here now. And he walks up to the person on the front row. He says, do you speak in tongues? Do you speak? Yes. Show me. <laughs> Come on, speak in tongues. Okay. And I'm sitting over there going, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> goes down the line and makes them all speak in tongues by themselves out loud. It's a tongues check. I'm thinking, I'm going to kill him. And I'm wanting to get up and stop him. I'm a pastor. It's my job. You know, that's why that little shepherd staff has a hook on it. So you can <laughs> sling it around their neck and pull them off the platform. And he goes, and, and I'm sitting there and I don't know why I couldn't stop him. Because he gets over here, and here's Mr. Folded Arms. And I'm thinking, dear Jesus. I don't know why I didn't stop him, but thank God. He, you speak in tongues? Nope. Are you born again? Nope. Any reason you can't be born again right now? Nope. Pray with me? All right. Led him to Jesus and baptized him in the Holy Ghost. And he was speaking in tongues when he was done. <laughs> Soon as he was done with this one, he just quit. Went back to preaching the sermon. I'm sitting there saying, dear Lord, I almost stopped that. And I, don't, I could have stopped that and felt good about it for the rest of my life. I could be preaching a sermon about how I stopped an idiot from ruining my church. And write a book about it, how you got to protect the sheep. Right? But no, there's different callings and there's different anointings. And if you learn to respect the Spirit and yield and submit to the Spirit. See, I don't understand that doctrinally. <laughs> but I sense the Spirit. I couldn't stop it. Now, and I have stopped some. I, I've... Pulled witches right out of the church. Two of them came and sat in the back row one time. I mean, you do protect the sheep. And you don't need to promote goofiness or loonies. But sometimes things look a little bit strange because you don't live where they live. But he got born again. Not long ago, he went to be with Jesus. 
He went to be with Jesus because Ron Bruce had enough brass, guts, to do a tongues check. I've been preaching for 40 years and I haven't found the courage to do a tongues check yet. God hadn't called me to do a tongues check. Probably shouldn't have said that. That takes some guts. Amen. Are you still in Ephesians 4? So when he went up to heaven, he distributed all these ministry gifts into the body. And some of them are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But he specifically says some. That's not all. Because parking lot attendant is not in the list. Security is not in the list. The cook is not in the list. Oh, yeah, they had support systems back then. You can go and read about the um, church in Acts and how they fed the widows. You can go and look at Dorcas, who, who Peter raised her from the dead. There's grace to do what God's called you to do. Amen? And sometimes we magnify these five to a position of of uh, idol worship that we, we shouldn't. And uh, I don't think it's as prevalent as it used to be. It used to be a whole lot more. Although I guess flesh and pride is still going to be around. But there is something unique about these five. Verse 11, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The unique thing about these is that they are specifically to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So if you're called to be a worship leader per se, doesn't mean you're called to make worship leaders. Now you might, because discipleship is a part of being a believer, all right? But in a, in a specific way, there's something about in an apostle that he's to impart that, that sent one anointing to those who receive it. There's something about the uh, evangelist who is to stir up evangelism in the believer. There's something about the prophet who his calling is to equip the saints and pull the gift of prophecy out of those believers so that it functions. A lot of dead churches come alive with the vocal gifts just by having a prophet visit for a few days. It stirs them up. I've said it before, and I think some of you here have seen it, Whenever he comes around me, uh, often, I'll prophesy in beautiful rhyme that, is, that just surprises me. But if he ain't around, I, it ain't there. I could even try to fake it, and it just don't, you can't fake it. I don't try to fake it. It just ain't there. There was a meeting one time where he slipped in the back, and I didn't even know he was in the, in the church building. I didn't know he was in the congregation. And when it came near the end of the service and I'm getting into the spirit ministering to people, I started prophesying and rhyme and I stopped and I said, is Bob Hawk here? And he's hiding off in the corner. I mean, that's how tangible it is. Why? Because the ministry gifts themselves. Well, I'll tell you the, the best analogy that helped me. A fellow was talking to me about getting his pilot's license. And he got his pilot's license. First, you go to ground school. Then you, get, then you go to the, the, and, and, and do so many hours with an instructor, and you get your pilot's license. And then you can go on and get instrument rated, 
And then you've got to get a higher level for every higher level of jet or airplane that you're, you're going to fly. And there's different licensing for all of that. But then this fellow was telling me he went on and got his instructor's license. So he's not just a pilot, he's an instructor. And I, as soon as he said that, I thought, that's the ministry gifts. Because you just read the epistles and you'll find out, I don't mean to scare you, but you're supposed to do everything the pastor's doing. You're supposed to love those around you. Did you know that? You're supposed to care and take care of those around you. You're supposed to pray for the sick and those around you. Are you, are you, are you here? Did you all go home? See, the only difference in the pastor is the pastor's like the flight instructor. You're the pilot. He's a pilot too. But he's a flight instructor. And when a pastor doesn't do that, now he's got to take care of all the needs of the congregation. Basically, he becomes a chaplain. And he goes around and visits people and pets their hands. So everybody feels good. Don't you feel good? You got a visit by the pastor. Come on. Because a lot of people, they'll be in the hospital. And the pastor didn't visit me. He, he, sent, he sent somebody else. Well, you probably wouldn't have been healed if, if Jesus had visited you. Because you're not, you're not looking for the Spirit or you're not looking for the Word. You're looking for the status. Amen. And, and so in the same way, an evangelist comes and something in his spirit gets off on you. And you realize, if that loony can lead people to Jesus, so can I. And it's, it's easier than I thought it was. And I don't have to know everything in the Bible. And I don't have to know everything about a Mormon to lead him. I mean, Ed Havich was so simple. And I remember, you know, we had this seminar in the church. And then he said, I, I said to him, I said, I, I, I want more. I want, I want a higher level. I said, teach me everything you got. And he said, well, let's go door to door. I said, all right, I'm right there with you. So we went, and he knocked on the door, just cold call. Just walk up to a door, knock on the door. And I'm like terrified. I'm, can you do that? And I was scared out of my mind. And he's the one doing it. I'm not even saying a word, and I'm scared. And, and he knocks on the door, and the woman opens the door, and he says, ma'am, we are believers in the area. And I was just walking by and thought I'd knock and see if there's anything you need prayer about. She just opened her heart up. We, were, we ended up being in her living room having tea and cookies. And he's praying for her and relatives everywhere. And I mean, Jesus walked right in that house. And I walk out of there and I'm thinking, wow, he made that look so easy. He said, well, we'll go to the next one. It's your turn. <laughs> so I went up and I'm thinking, the guy's going to open with a gun. I'm sure of it, you know. <laughs> I knocked on the door, and some woman opened the door, and I'm standing there tongue-tied. And uh, finally I said, uh, we're just Christians in the area wondering if we can pray for you. And she's like, get lost. Blam. <laughs> and I'm like, I walk down the sidewalk, and Ed looks at me and says, just Christians. You're just a Christian. <laughs> just remember that. You're just a Christian. It took him half a day to get me to the place where I could knock on the door and get inside and share the love of God. But it's so simple. But I just didn't have it. He had it. Then I got it. But the only way you get it is by that impartation of that ministry gift. Amen.
It's, it's a reality. Now, let's read on. He said these gifts are for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we, come, till we all come in the unity of the faith. I remember I used to do a radio program, and I taught that apostles were for today. This would have been back in 1987. And uh, the radio manager of the station said he was going to cancel my program because he got so many letters from other pastors who disagreed. And he actually asked me to go back online and, and basically correct my false views or he's going to cancel the program. So I made a new tape and I, and I said, <laughs> I'd like to find that tape, it's pretty funny. I, got, I made a new tape and I mentioned all of these critics by name and I said, Dear sir, the Bible says it's till we all come in the unity of the faith and I respect, respectfully submit to you that I don't agree with you and you don't agree with me. So we're not in the unity of the faith. Therefore, apostles still exist and I'm right. <laughs> and the radio manager didn't cancel me. Now, I know he wanted to and he was trying to threaten me, but he liked money. And I was paying and the golden rule works. He that has the gold rules. So, <laughs> till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And there it is. God's telling us that there's a time and there's a place where the body of Christ will return to the fullness of that anointing that Jesus walked in. Whoo! All of it manifested. I mean, all the anointing of a John G. Lake and a Smith Wigglesworth and a Catherine Kuhlman and a Kenneth Hagin and a Billy Graham and a Billy Sunday and on and on and on. Can you imagine all that in one service? Hoo-wee. That's glory. I want to see that in my lifetime. That we henceforth be no children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Underline that phrase, speaking the truth in love. Our subject is entering, or the call of God and how to enter your call, how to fulfill your call. Our topics that Bill's covering effectively eloquently I wanted to encourage you on a couple points remind you last night if you want to fulfill the call of God on your life my opinion you have to have a spirit of victory you you've got to have that dogged determination that you're you're not going to quit Jesus called it putting your hand to the plow and not looking back there, there is nothing but victory. There is nothing but triumph in this place. And there's no room for a spirit of fear. The second thing I want to emphasize is, is more important and might, might have been perhaps the sermon I preached first. And when I was younger, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, say this. But now I'm a little bit older, seen a few things, heard a few things, watched others. I'm convinced that probably the most important thing for you and me, for anyone, to enter into their call is to master the love walk. 
If you can't learn and, and live in a life of love, you won't last long. Satan will remove you from kingdom. He'll remove you from ministry. He will make the very people that you want to minister to your enemy. And you'll become bitter. You'll have so many sheep bites. Forget about knives in the back. It's the sheep bites that really hurt. And sheep can really bite. <laughs> oh, my. And you'll end up eating lamb chops with a smile on your face. <laughs> I remember reading in the Old Testament when God told Moses, step aside and I'll destroy them all. And Moses said, no, Lord. And I'm thinking, lucky it was him, because if it was me, I'd say, can I help? <laughs> the love walk. Thank God for the love walk. I know I hear a lot of people talking of, of other ministers in the past, and many people very, very respectfully talk about Brother Hagin and say, you know, Brother Hagin taught us faith. But quite honestly, I never got that from Brother Hagin per, per, per se. I got faith from Copeland. Brother Hagin taught me the importance of walking by love. The love of God is what will keep you and hold you when everything else around you is falling apart. I had, and it begins in different levels. I had an opportunity to minister to a minister years ago who came as a guest speaker to, to our church. And I, I considered him uh, uh, certainly an elder. I mean, he'd been in ministry a lot longer than I had. and I'd never met him before. And that's, that's one of the fun things of having guests in is you get to you know, sit down and talk to somebody that's been a little further down the road than you are, and you can get some wisdom and advice and counsel. And I took him for lunch, and we were sitting there. And probably because I was a stranger, he felt comfortable to start to bear his heart. And he began to share about the betrayals that he had just been going through in the ministry in the church where he was working. And I'd never heard of such things. I'm going to be honest. It was bad. You know, we talk about bad eggs in the police force. Well, we got bad eggs in the ministry too. And uh, no one should have gone through the things he went through. Financially, issues of, of his, uh, his own doctrine, issues of, of, of uh, relationships that were lies. It, it was horrible, really horrible. And he was broken. He was a broken man. And I was sitting there listening like, <clears throat> you know, we need to find somebody like Brother Hagen or Oral Roberts to talk to, not Dale Armstrong. You know, and I realized, you know, he's, he's just venting. He's got a stranger who will listen. And, and I, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't have a, anything to say to this. <laughs> uh, wow. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me. And I saw the scriptures in the Gospel of John. We, we don't have time where we'd look there. Where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? So I've learned, and, and I hope you have too, that when God shows you something like that, well, Jesus said, I just do what I see my father do. When the Lord reveals that to me, I just start talking, you know. And so I said to him, it reminds me of what Jesus asked Peter. 
Do you love me? So I said his name. I said, do you love Jesus? It made him mad. He said, yeah. <laughs> and I just went, I opened my Bible and I read it. And I just inserted him into it as if Jesus was talking to him and not Peter. Do you love me? He says, yeah. And so he takes the place of Peter while we're going through the scripture. And when we're all done, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what's all this about? And then the Lord said, and I said, did you ever notice he didn't ask Peter, do you love the sheep? And then it hit him like a ton of bricks. He started weeping. I said, you're not in this for the people, and neither am I. You're not in this because you love people. You're in it because you love Jesus. And because you love Jesus, his love in you loves people. And he started crying, and then we started worshiping Jesus, and all of a sudden Jesus was at the same table. Because that's what ministry is, is first to the Lord. If you're in ministry to serve me, you made a mistake. But you did it to serve Jesus, and I'm blessed. Amen? Because I'm in it to serve Jesus too. And because you're in it to serve Jesus, and I'm in it serving Jesus, I'm just head over heels in love with you. Amen. Because we're on the same ground. Amen. Which is exactly what Jesus said in John 14, 13. Let's go there. What did Jesus say? He said in verse 34 of chapter 13, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. One way we love God is by loving one another. Love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, why did Jesus say that was a new commandment? Well, because it was. The old commandment, you can read it in Mark chapter 12, verse 31. The old commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, think about it. There are some people, I don't want them to love me the way they love themselves. Amen. Because I love you, you ugly, worthless toad. That ain't much. Right? But now Jesus says, let's make a new commandment. The first commandment is I'm going to love you the way I love myself. Now Jesus said, I'm going to love you the way Jesus loves me. Now the only way the first commandment was not abrogated, it still exists. The new commandment was added upon, on top of it. So the commandment I got to love you the way I love myself still exists. But there's a new commandment that I got to love you the way God loves me. And it doesn't take a physicist to realize that means I got to love myself the way God loves me. I have to see myself the way God sees me. And God doesn't see me unworthy. God doesn't see me unlovely. God doesn't see me a failure. God doesn't see me a sinner. God sees me as a redeemed, born-again, child of God, free from all that the devil tried to put on me. I am a fire-breathing believer. Amen. Amen. And now when I have a right standing with God, and He loves me and I love Him, and His love through me, now I can actually love other people. 
And you know what? That's why Jesus could go all the way to Golgotha. Because he loved the church. I don't know if you ever noticed that. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. But the Bible says Jesus went to the cross because he loved the church. He saw what love would do in the, in, the, in the body of Christ. He saw what love would do in the church. And that point ministered to that minister sitting there on that little, little bench. Jesus never asked if I loved the sheep. I'm not doing this to make them happy. I'm not doing this to get their approbation or their applause. I'm not doing it because I love them. I'm doing it because I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, through me, Jesus loves them. All the, learn to take it all the way to Golgotha. Love them to the end. Why? Because Jesus is with you every step of the way. With joy, he looked to that. Amen? The love of God is the key of, of success in ministry. It's the key of success in Christian life. Turn over with me to... <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What I learned this from Brother Hagin saved my life, brought me out of depression and suicide, and established me in ways I didn't even realize how powerful it was till years had gone by. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter. Most people only read it at weddings. It needs to be read every day of your life. You read it in the King James, and it, instead of the word love, it uses the word charity. Verse 4, charity suffers long. I actually like that word. It's agape, but charity is the, is, a, is the idea of love that gives. Isn't that what charity is? I mean, you can say love in English, and it can mean any number of things. It can mean I love ice cream. It can mean I love the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, neither word is correctly applied. The Greeks were a bit more specific. They had, what, five words for love, I think it is. And, and love here, it is a giving type of love. It's not the love that we receive that makes us feel bitter. It's, it's the love that we give in whatever the situation might be. We become literal channels or supply routes of God's love through, through our words, through our actions, Sometimes through a smile, through a deed. Brother Hagin took these, and you read it in the King James, and it's eloquent, but sometimes we don't get the meaning, nor do we apply it to ourselves. When Brother Hagin, I heard him talk about it, he pulled out a Bible version called the Amplified Bible. I don't know if you've ever read the Amplified. Uh, I love it. They've, they've re, re, uh, revised it recently, which made me mad because I like the older one. Uh, why play around with something that's already good? But anyhow, the Amplified Bible simply adds more of the nuances to the Greek language, and, and it makes it louder. It amplifies it, right? If you're going to memorize Scripture, I don't encourage you to use the Amplified. Because, <laughs> you know, the verses are really long. But, but what Brother Hagin taught was to take the Amplified and then, then, based on the, the principle of the Bible, wherever the word love is, it puts your name in there. 
You see, the Bible says that God dwells in us and God is love. And that the love of God is in us and there's a commandment that we love one another. And that, that, that this is love, that before we loved Him, He loved us. And so we ought also to love one another. So the, the love that we're talking about here isn't love I receive. It's love that flows through me or love that I give. So when it says love endures long and is patient and kind, I mean, you can do it generically and say, I endure long, I am patient and kind. But for the full effect, what I did, Brother Hagin taught me this, I took a piece of paper and I wrote, Dale endures long and is patient and I, or, well, then I also did it this way. Dale endures long. Dale is patient. Dale is kind. And when I remember writing it on a piece of paper, I started giggling. Because it never felt like writing lies. I mean, I'm sitting there writing out lies on a piece of paper. Because <laughs> Dale doesn't endure. You might say Dale is stubborn. But Dale doesn't endure long, and Dale is certainly not patient, and Dale ain't been kind for a long time. I was in depression. I was dealing with anger. Really, I didn't know it then. I, I think it was borderline spirit of murder. And uh, I was in trouble. And the love of God is in me. And because the love of God's in me, I'm like totally frustrated. Because before that, you could do things... And it wouldn't hurt your conscience. Now I'm born again and I got the love of God in me and I'm still doing what my flesh has been trained to do and I'm reacting the same way. And, and then it just frustrates everything. I mean, before where it was easy, I'd just punch you in the face. Now I can't do that. And that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> and I mean... Dear Lord, and everybody knew, all my friends in high school knew, in football especially, all they had to do to get Dale to play better football was get him angry. And they'd, they'd box me in the head and they'd do whatever they could to make me angry so I'd play better. And now I'm frustrated about it because I don't want to be angry. Because I got the love of God in me. I even had one of my teammates throw his helmet in, in halftime. Said, what's the matter with you, Armstrong? You don't get mad anymore. And I was like, cool. <laughs> wow. Somebody noticed I'm changing. Right? How did I change? Because I took what Brother Hagin said. <laughs> Thank you, John. And I put my name in there. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, friends, somewhere in your house there's a blank piece of paper. I put it on the margin of my Bible. Years and years ago, and I've copied it every time I went to a new, new version. Dale endures long. Dale is patient and kind. Dale is never envious. <laughs> Dale never boils over with jealousy. <laughs> you know, the first time you read it, it's comic. But guess what? That's who you are. Because the love of God is in you. It really is your new spirit in Jesus. That spirit of love is in you. And so what I did is I wrote it all out. Where I have here, it's generic. I endure long. I am patient and kind. I am never envious. I never boil over with jealousy. My wife asked me, I don't think I've ever had a jealous bone in you. She said, you've never had a jealous bone in your body. Well, not since I got the love of God in me. 
I am not boastful or vainglorious. I do not display myself haughtily. I am not conceited, arrogant, nor inflated with pride. I am not rude or unmannerly. I do not act unbecomingly. I do not insist on my own rights or my own way. I am not self-seeking. I am not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I do not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. I rejoice when right and truth prevail. I bear up under anything and everything that comes. I am ever ready to believe the best of every person. My hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and I endure everything without weakening. I never fail. That's the love of God. And the love of God is in each one of us. It is a bit of homework. But if you don't do it, well, you're accountable because you're here. And, and you've got ears to hear. And if you don't do, you'll be self-deceived. Please do what I did. <clears throat> take a piece of paper. And you take your name. And you write this out. And you put your name in it. And you hold it in your hands. And you say it out loud with your mouth. What I did is I, my brother and I slept in bunk beds, and he slept on the top, I slept on the bottom. So I took that piece of paper and I pasted it on the, the bottom of his bunk bed. And when I would wake up in the morning, I'd open my eyes, and there it is. Big piece of paper with my name instead of the word love. And every morning before I got out of bed, I'd say that out loud before I'd get out of bed. It's something I learned a long time ago about building a habit. A lot of people struggle with building habits till I learned that the easiest way to build a habit is to find what habits you already have and attach it to that habit. So in other words, if you want to confess some scriptures on the healing power of God in your body, you think about what do I do every day anyway? I brush my teeth. So I'm going to take these scriptures for healing and put it on a mirror where I brush my teeth. And I'm going to brush my teeth and I'm going to spit that out in the sink. And then I'm going to confess, by his stripes I am healed. And guess what? That becomes a habit real fast. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And so if Thursday night is the night you eat spaghetti and it's your habit, you can attach another habit to a habit. And, it, and it's easy. I know a good friend of mine. Uh, took this principle and he realized he, he spoke in tongues, but he didn't pray in tongues much at all. So he asked the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, dummy, you shower every day. You're in that shower 15, 20 minutes. Just pray in tongues. As soon as you put your foot in the bathtub and you pull the curtain, just start speaking in tongues. So he started. He's got a habit of taking a shower. He didn't, ha he didn't lose any time, did he? And maybe he's not singing as much, but you could sing in tongues, I guess. And he started praying in tongues every day while he's taking his shower. And guess what? Just adding a habit to a habit. And his business changed. His marriage changed. His life changed. I mean, the power of God swept through that young man. Amen. And I'm telling you, the love of God, you need it. You, you know, most of the problems in our lives, because we failed to walk in love at some point in some measure, some way. 
We said the wrong thing. We thought the wrong thing. We did the wrong thing. We went to the wrong place. We got out of love. Amen? You know, you can read, read some of the classics like What Would Jesus Do? It's all summed up right in what I've just shared with you. Learn to walk the love walk. And when you do that, you'll face complications, you'll face difficulties, and you'll want to react in the flesh. But your spirit that's born again, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and God is love, people, people come to me often, they say, well, would you pray that I'd have more love? No. No, I won't, because it won't help you. Because you're born again, and you're full of the Spirit, you got all the love of God in you that you're ever going to get. But you simply have to acknowledge that love's in you. And, and it becomes a way of thinking, becomes a way of life, and all of a sudden you realize that uh, your, 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 your temper comes under control or you actually find that you have a temper. That's what temper means, is it's under control. You know? And, and, and you begin to make right choices. And you begin to speak blessings instead of curses. And you begin to see people differently. You begin to understand them. And you realize they're, they're just not that different than than really you thought. It's like Reinhard Bonnke, I heard him say one time, brought me to tears. He said he'd been on a platform in a revival. Reinhard Bonnke was a great evangelist in Africa. And he was on the, on the platform and he brought many people to Jesus that night. So many people received Jesus as the Lord of their life. And it was at the end of a long crusade. And he was exhausted and he was tired. And he finally, you know, at some ungodly hour, got back to the hotel. He just hurts so bad he's so tired he wanted to get to bed and he goes to the elevator to go to his room to go to get some sleep and when he opened the elevator door some guy barged out of the elevator that was completely totally drunk and smelled like a, a liquor store barreled into him and almost knocked him over and cursed him just just a drunk you know and the guy walks away and reinhardt goes into the elevator and the doors close and Reinhardt has this feeling of disgust about this drunken guy. And God shows up. And the Lord said, Reinhardt, the only difference between that man and you is me. That's a powerful truth. And when you begin to focus on the love walk, and you begin to see people as people, it's amazing, and I'm just getting into this myself because of the unique people I've been meeting. But you know, there's a scripture where the Bible says it. He says it. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. And if you learn to look at people and just stop and say to yourself, I love this person, all of a sudden you'll see things differently. And for me, what, what has helped and again, I'm telling you, I, I'm just on the edge of this myself. Because I meet some strange people that I never met before. You know, I'm just not, still not used to sitting down with generals and ambassadors and spies. And I've met five different men who are the heads of spy agencies. Not spies. Heads. And you look at them and you think, oh my goodness, should be impressed or oh my goodness I should you know be in awe or oh my goodness I should be afraid and run 
But no, you look at him. I love this person. I was sitting with a guy who's a National Security Defense Counsel. He's responsible. Well, I'm not even going to get into it. Let's just say it this way. He is Mr. Putin's number one enemy on the planet. And I'm sitting with him. And I'm thinking, I know they photographed me entering the building. That's just wonderful. And I'm sitting there, and this guy looks, I mean, it's like meeting a bulldog. He looks mean. There's not a smile to be found. He's got eyes that scare you. I mean, he plays the part. He'd be great in a Bond movie. And I got to talk to him, and he doesn't want to talk. He's not even saying yes or no. He's grunting. You know, and I'm feeling like I'm on the, 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 the smelly stuff on the bottom of his shoes is how I was feeling. But I'd read about him. Knew everything I could in the natural about him. And he hadn't said a thing. And I looked at him and I loved him. And I said, I want to thank you. Because I know you were in this meeting in Washington, D.C. And I know what you tried to bring about. And I know they rejected you. And I know you really fought hard for it. So I want to thank you. His face lit up. And he started talking about it. Things I didn't know about the meeting. All this stuff. All I had to do was love him. That's it. And it all opened up. And, and I sat there, and the, Alex, my interpreter, he was there. Alex is in Ukraine. He says hello to everybody. Alex and another guy were sitting there. And Alex is just like, I don't know how you do that. I said, well, love people. Love people. I mean, that guy that's got a, having a bad day behind the counter at, at the Sheets gas station. You don't have to throw something at him unless it's money. Love him. Love it. You want to chap off that neighbor of yours? Bless them. Do something good. Jesus said, bless them that curse you. You Go and look at the word. One of the translations is give them money. Yeah. You got a problem with an offense with someone that has cursed you? I had, I've had several of them. I had a pastor that just didn't like me. In the same community. He did not like me. He got up in his pulpit and talked about me. So, I mean, Lord, what am I going to do? Well, it said, bless those that persecute you and say things about you. I said, all right, Lord. So I got the checkbook, wrote him a check. Gave it to somebody that attends the church, said, put that in the offering. Well, the very next Sunday, he actually got up in the pulpit with my check from our church and in a joking manner said, look what this pastor in this church gave to us. And ripped it up in front of the congregation. I thought, well, that little rascal. So then I said, Lord, what should I do? Because I was struggling. I don't know about you. I've had problems in this realm. Probably you haven't. Probably you don't know what I'm even talking about. <laughs> I've had offenses. I've had, you know, 
well, this guy's wrong and I ought to choke him kind of things. Right? So I went to the Lord, what should I do? And the Lord said, bless him. Well, I went back to the woman that attended his church and I said, from now on, I want to give it to you in cash. And every month, we put an offering in that church in cash anonymously. He never knew it. I don't think he'd know it yet unless he listens to my messages, which he might. Because on about, what was it, honey? Ten years? Ten years. And one day we got a phone call and repentance came. But I'll tell you what, that money did. He didn't know what was going on. You know what that money did for me? Kept me in love. Because you can't bless people and hate them at the same time. You can do it for about three months because I tried it. <laughs> but eventually, you, you're going to obey God and keep it up. You're going to say, I love this person. This is, this is for freedom. This is for righteousness. This is, this is the kingdom of God. You just keep giving, giving, giving. I, I mean, it was, it was such an issue in my life. There was an offense in the beginning when our, when our first uh, child was born. There were some complications God dealt with me about offenses because, you know, when there's life and death issues, you're looking for every priority that needs to be corrected. And, I mean, God spoke. I was on my knees near my wife's bed praying in the hospital, and I'm searching my heart that I'm clean. And the Spirit of God said, go and get that brand-new VCR that you just bought that's still in the box and go give it to him. Well, I, I drove home, got that thing, went and just showed up on her doorstep and get. He didn't take that in front of the congregation and rip it up. <laughs> That's back when some of you don't know what a VCR is. Dear Jesus. Back in the old days. The love of God. You want to fulfill the call of God in your life? Just follow love. Follow love. Follow love. Follow love. Because love will lead you into a miracle ministry. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed the sick. Love will lead you to meet the divine appointments. You won't be afraid to knock on that door if you love those people. The reason you can't knock on that door is you love yourself more than you love those people. Doesn't mean you won't be nervous. Doesn't mean you won't be shy. All those things are in that. But love will pull that out. I'm not perfect in it. I hope you don't walk away thinking I'm perfect walking in love. I still make mistakes. Any of you doubt that, talk to Terry after the service. But I can tell you, when I have walked in love, and, and as I endeavor to walk in love every day, I never fail. There's always a way through this. The love of God. Let's stand up on our feet. Look at that, five minutes early. Five minutes early, I have to think of something to say. Can't let you go home till you got your full money's worth. Father, there are people in here, and they know there's areas that have not been dealt with by love, unforgiveness, bitterness, offense. not going to draw attention to it There's, it's not necessary let's just lift our hands and if and if you recognize that that message 
has applied to you in some area, just repent of it right now and ask the Lord to flood your spirit with light that, and make the commitment right now. I'm going to walk in love. Say that out loud. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to go love's way. I'm going to do what Jesus would do. The love of God's in my heart. And I am one with the Lord. I'm one with love. Love is in me now. There's no greater love than the Lord who's in me now. I lack in no good thing. Greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. And the greater one in me is love. I will walk in love. No darkness, no sin, no bitterness, no anger. No jealousy, no offense will abide in me because I'm full of light. I'm full of love. I'm full of life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Now go and do that which you know to do and walk in freedom. We love you so much. Tomorrow we start at 1 o'clock. We're going to take it even further into this uh, uh, teaching on the call of God. Encourage you to be here. Join us for dinner at 5 o'clock. We've got a wonderful cuisine ahead of us. And uh, amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Landisville, Pennsylvania. And welcome to the Armada landmark of 2020 glory to god it's been so rich and good i'm so glad that you're all here tonight we're gonna have a great night in the presence of the lord amen i'd like to encourage you in our worship time together from psalms 100 make a joyful noise unto the lord so if you don't think you can sing on tune make a joyful noise unto the lord Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know he that Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. And he is our pastor, the good pastor, the good shepherd, isn't he? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Have a grateful heart before the Lord. So much to be thankful for. His courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. Say that. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever. And his truth endures for all generations. Let's all stand up together as family. The body of Christ. And let's worship and praise our Lord and Savior.
purposes, he will draw all men unto himself. His desire is that all would come into the kingdom. So as we lift him up, he'll draw them. Amen? Amen. Not just here when we're singing together, but in our everyday lives, lift up Jesus. Lift him up. Amen? Amen. One more time. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Praise you, Lord. We bless you. We glorify you, Father. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you will do. We're here to reverence you, to give you and return to you the praise that's due your name. For all that you've done for us, we can never repay. And Lord, I know in some small way that even if we could, you'd just give it back again. You are a good God, a great Lord over all the earth. And we know we owe so much to you. You've brought us so far. I don't know how you did it. But you brought us so far. and thank the Lord out of your own heart. Thank Him for your shoes. Thank Him for your house. Thank Him for your dog. Thank Him for that, that morning breakfast you enjoyed with your wife. Thank Him. Thank Him for that book somebody gave you. And wasn't it such a blessing? Thank you for that seat on the airplane. You didn't deserve it, but He, he upgraded you. Thank Him for all the things He's done. Thank Him for that really cool guitar He got you. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great oh, God. Amen. He's a he's a wonderful daddy. Amen. He's the best daddy I've ever had. Thank him for this church. Thank him for CWI. Thank him. Thank him for abundant life and the pastor that won't quit. Thank him. Thank him for that crazy Colorado Mennonite. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the family dropped in the middle of Turkey. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's just so much to be thankful for. How can you be depressed? There's so many good things to thank God about. Amen. I mean, glory. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I've, I've had a really, in the natural, I've had a really tough six years. But in the spirit, it's been a breeze. But you just can't get into the natural. And I sometimes the Lord reminds me, it's, it is almost, well, I know it's supernatural because it, pops up on my Google Photos more than it ought to. 
in 2014, I was flying into Moscow and had no idea what was ahead. And I was just waking up from a nap, had to slide was down on the plane, you know, the window thing. So it's dark. And I just kind of woke up and the Lord said, I've surrounded you with my glory. And I thought, that, praise the Lord. And then the Lord said, open the window. And I opened the window. And it was amazing. There was a shadow of the plane I'm in on a cloud surrounded by a rainbow. I took a picture of it. I mean, he knew it was there when the blind was down. <laughs> I mean, he's just good that way. Isn't he good that way? Hallelujah. Give him one more shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. I mean, it's really good worship. I know probably like me, you, you all know what's missing. There's, there's just, you know, it's not quite as good as it could be because I didn't notice any of those songs written by John Fike. <laughs> Other than that, it's wonderful worship. <laughs> I don't know, John. I, I, you and I had an agreement and you ain't carrying it out. Mm-hmm. Amen. Whoa, that was a wonderful dinner, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone, I don't know where Mim is. Mim Gender, God bless you. Where is she? Shout out. Oh, she's back there. She's back there hiding. Thank you, Mim. And Robin's here. <laughs> Robin works so hard and he works all the time. Nobody thanks him anymore because he just does so much. Praise God. God bless you, Robin. I still bump into people all over, and they say, hey, I listen to you on, on the Internet. And that's all Robin. Pray it there. Praise God. His crown's going to be bigger than mine when we get to heaven. Amen. Well, we're going to dismiss the children at this time. So all you youngsters that are still here, the rest of you have already left without me instructing you, I guess. All of you youngsters, get out of here in case the pastor uses words he shouldn't use. That's right. Oh, the Lord is good. We're going to prepare to receive our evening offering. And uh, we're so blessed to, to have your faithfulness and support of what we're doing this week. We have a budget for the week, of course, and lots of hands doing lots of things. And we want to uh, bless the church that's hosting us, and we want to do good by them. And thank you, Pastor Sidney, for making this week available to us. What a blessing. And uh, really appreciate all of you. I know many of you spent a lot of money just to get here. And you've got to put your family up. And, and uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate the homes that are hosting people and uh, taking care of people. We've heard miracles, hotel miracles. We've heard rooms have been paid for supernaturally. That's all exciting, isn't it? Amen. We'd like you to, uh, we want to ask you to apply your faith with me tonight. I felt this morning the Lord was pricking my conscience to share this. One of the needs of Armada is to take the accounting system up a notch. And we, we've got different accounting things that go on out in Colorado and here in Lancaster and, and in Armada that, that actually have to come and plug in together, and that's not always easy to do. 
And one of the solutions is to subscribe to the online version, enterprise version of QuickBooks, which is the industry standard for accounting. Probably many of you know that better than I do. And uh, it's about $3,000 a year. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to put that out in front of the people. If you, if you don't have 3000 in your pocket, well, that's all right. You got faith. Anybody in here got $3,000 worth of faith? Two or three of you. The rest of you, buy the faith books downstairs and get your faith built up. And uh, that'll, that'll be a great blessing to all the, 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 the churches and the Armada and others that come in. And I don't know all the details, but, but I'm even hoping in the future we can offer the, the online accounting package uh, for, for missionaries and others that would need to tie into that. It would also be a blessing to them. And Pat tells me he's our corporate treasurer. Pat and Lynn, God bless them for all they've done. You know, they, I, it was about, about the time we started, wasn't it? 2006 or 7 when you started coming over into it about 2007 2008 they were driving what is that two three hours every sunday to come over and get to church and and we're part of the family here and so i mean some of you that are new might not know they were incubator members uh, uh foundational members and what a blessing uh pat does the the accounting so we just want to count that uh, little rise into to a new level with accounting done in jesus name you agree with me yeah. we have it in jesus name so if you're making out a check, make it out to our motto. If you're giving in cash, our ushers have envelopes, and you just fill out the uh, address and the amount there so we can receipt you properly. Thank God our government counts the money sewn into the church as, as uh, money well used for society at large. And hold on to that, because this government needs every hook it can to be blessed. Amen. Thank God for our government. Thank God for our president. Thank God for those that that uh, give him advice and uh, may those that try to tear this uh, republic down be silenced in the name of Jesus there's a lot of lying going on right now and there's a lot of it's been purchased and there's a book that just came out and in my opinion the man has been either compromised or bought and uh, his own level of honor and integrity he should be ashamed of himself even if everything he says is true. You know, um, there's, there's issues of honor and principle to protect. But I'll get off the subject if I get on that. And uh, not that I'm very political. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're ready to pray over the offering. Father, we bless you for this moment where we put our faith together as touching Armada and this... Uh, increase in our fiscal accounting we bless you and thank you the need is met the bills are paid we thank you everyone is blessed and we thank you for it in jesus name they all said amen, amen. the ushers will wait upon the people and the people will be obedient unto the lord somebody asked me years and years ago why do you always say that because it's true <laughs>